If you haven't signed up for our Discord channel, please do so at MajordomoMedia.com. There's a link that will take you to our wonderful Discord community. Chris Yang is still uh, on the chopping block. You guys do not love him enough, but we got some great discounts, whether it's uh, Cook Any Day, Cometeer, Athletic Brewing. Roy, this is Roy's Panettone. Uh, no offense to my friends that make Panettone. It's the best. Well, we have. Well, I think it's right up there. You know oh. what's weird? I think you guys might have overlapped when you were at LBE. LB. Oh, Renee and Roy? Yeah. yeah. He, he works there. there? Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. Crazy. Um, <laughs> that guy's CV is insane. <laughs> totally insane. You need that, right? To Pierre May, uh, all kinds of crazy shit. Uh, but that's Tony, and you can only get that discount through our Discord. Discord. Um, and all things Momofuku, shop.momofuku.com. There's a discount code there on Discord as well, but uh, the instant noodles and all the salt spices and chili crunch. Um, but by the way, I tried some delicious things before getting on the podcast, Renee. Like, how do people get the Noma products? Can they? Yeah, they can if they're quick. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a website that you, you direct people to? Yeah, to we have quick? Noma Projects website. I, I should know it other by heart, but for some reason, I don't know if it's nomaprojects.com or... It's not that hard to put in the URL or, yeah, or the Google. Some, Just Google some, it. This is some Danish shit right here. The guy can't even promote his own product. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nomaprojects.com. Dot com. Nomaprojects.com. That that's where we sell the things that we have made and that has made Noma. And uh, no discounts for you. Full price. <laughs> no, it's funny. Like they, he brought some over, and uh, Hugo is just—he's crazy for smoked mushroom garum. No, the there's it's a, a new, it's a new product. A new coming. product. I won't talk about it, but he hoarded it and wouldn't let Whoa! Yeah, it's really good. It's wow. really good. I, 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 I think you're going to see it a lot of places. Hopefully, in my pantry. And Hopefully. not easy for people to copy and copy poorly, as many things that have been done. Right. <laughs> There's one thing about Noma stuff. It is not easy to copy. <laughs> not easy to copy correctly. We'll get into that exactly. in a second. Anyway, uh, visit us on our Discord and um, all things Momofuku at shop.momofuku and www.nomaprojects.com. Uh, mm. Let's get into the show. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a berry delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Welcome to the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Dome Media. Thank you, Yola Tango, as always. We have a special guest today, all the way from Denmark. I was about to say Scandinavia, but is that even accurate? You're Scandinavian, right? Yeah. It is accurate. Yeah. 
one of my close friends, we've known each other a long time, and uh, it was too long. It's been too long to see him. And there was a stretch where we would see each other multiple times a month mm-hmm. for many years, mm-hmm. weirdly enough. Uh, those days are probably <laughs> never coming back to the chef community. Never. Never. So it was, it was, a, it was a nice little time. I'm glad that it happened. But uh, welcome, Renee. He's been on this podcast before. Mm-hmm. Why, are you, why are you here in America? We have a book. <laughs> I thought it was uh, it, the shameless plugging was ending. When it, when <laughs> <laughs> it oh, we have a begun. new book. It's called Noma 2.0, and it's available everywhere. Right off the bat, Renee. Yes. I have a problem with your book. Noma you. 2.0, because mm-hmm. this is the, the second location of Noma. You've mm-hmm. moved and basically reopened opened a new restaurant. Mm-hmm. But in reality, this is like Noma 2000.0. Well, you guys have changed so many mm. iterations of what you do and who you are all the time. But you mm. you draw a line in the sand. Explain to people who don't know why it's 2.0, really. Well, the, we're coming into a 20th anniversary. and um, But if I go back in time to, let's say, eight years ago, Noma had gone through incredible success. It was fantastic. And it gave us so much opportunity. But at the same time, it was also very limiting in a strange way particularly creatively, we got so defined. With each success, people started sort of to pigeonhole us and define us into suddenly we're the foraging restaurant or the fermentation restaurant. And uh, I told myself every day, just go to work and play around, work as if you have nothing to lose. But the reality was it wasn't like that. And so at one point I said, if, you know, how are we going to break this? And so we decided just to close the restaurant and move a kilometer down the street. And um, we found this incredible location on the water right next to Christiania, which is this free town. And so as we are uh, as we are closing up, I'm also thinking to myself, what if we just move one kilometer down the road and we just do the same thing as we've done always? And that's when we started doing our pop-ups around the world, where we went to train and learn. And, uh, and then we opened Noma 2.0 uh, five years ago. But it feels like we've been there 20 years because of the pandemic. <laughs> it really does. It feels like we've been there forever already. Goddamn, the pandemic. It's crazy. Three years. Yeah. That's how long it's been since the three of us sat in a room, at least. Yeah. This, we haven't seen each other since the beginning of this thing. No. Which is wild. It's the first time. I mean, and maybe even in America, you know, I don't, I don't think Americans are understanding this war in Russia and with Ukraine, how much that is affecting people. In Europe, can you uh, talk a little? You were you you spoke about it a little bit yesterday about the energy. I mean, people are afraid. Russia, you, we can we can kind of throw a rock to Russia from Denmark. You know, it's it's it would be like uh, I could drive to Russia if I wanted to. You know, Scandinavia or the Nordics, uh, Finland is there, it's bordering with with Russia, and it's there's a nervous energy around. And besides that, there's also this energy crisis. How much more expensive are... So for next year, in 2023, we have energy costs that's gone up 700% for Noma. And that's just in general. So in the restaurant industry, that results in, you know, the fishmonger saying, hey, I know Noma is busy, but just everyone else, they've they've ordered 20% less this uh, December or this November, December. Same thing is for the greengrocer and... Now we're starting to see, you know, people tapping out. Even this year in Denmark, can you imagine in Denmark, two of the major ice skating rings, they've canceled this year's uh, ring because the energy costs are too high to actually keep the ice 
uh, frozen. And we're in Denmark. Right. I'm trying, this- to, I'm trying to put that in. I, I, I think Americans here are like, oh no, the two ice rinks are closed. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody cares. But like, that's like big deal. For it's you, it's sort of the official folk. Danish. Uh, they they are like saving where they can on energy. Right. It and, would be and, like if if Major League Baseball was like, we're going to reduce the league by four teams this season just to like keep costs. Or imagine down. in New York City, what's the ice ice skating ring uh, at the Rockefeller, Rockefeller Center? If they said this year is not happening because there's not enough energy, it would around. never happen in America. <laughs> <laughs> we would, we they were sweaters. like, what other country can we deplete before we do that? There's always a barrel right. of oil in right. America. What else can we burn? <laughs> Mm. things are harder than ever it, um, it is wild so we we came out of the pandemic finally it felt like okay this is ending it felt good we start to travel and people are happy and then just like that you know you wake up one morning and i remember we had uh, guests from ukraine chefs they were sitting and they were like really nervous and we we're speaking to them and and i said oh surely there won't be a war next day the war happened and now the nervousness is back to many people in europe for sure. Yeah, it feels like, I mean, Chen, you were saying we were driving in the car and you were like, I feel like something like this is a, people think we're coming out of a dark time, but like, it's going to be a bad year. Yeah, you don't need to get me started on like my rosy picture of the yeah, world. Don't, don't, don't awaken that part of Chen <laughs> <Yeah>. yet. <laughs> Renee's seen it. Um, how many books now have you written? It's a lot. Well, it's three. And... Um, Probably many more to come. It's more than three, I feel like. Isn't it? Don't you have four of these? Isn't there like forgotten? Yeah, the one. We don't need to talk about it. Whatever. The one that we made a thousand copies of, it's basically like a booklet. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, I that that book is destroyed somewhere. I had that somewhere. <laughs> that's like, I, I think that's worth a lot of money. Yeah. It is. It's very. And I know you don't even own a copy. <laughs> I don't have a copy anymore. We made a thousand of them. Yeah, I had, I think I had one or I gave another one away. Mm. I don't even know. But so of the of the ones that there are actually in 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 the world, there's the Noma cookbook, the first Noma cookbook. Yeah, the then time and place. Time and place, which came out in 2010. And 2010 was a pivotal year for Noma because we, you know, that was the year where Noma became Noma in for the wider audience. We became number one in the world on the so-called list. And then lo and behold, this book we'd been working two years on came out in the same year, and it was an explosion. This idea of time and place just became of the, of that moment. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, actually, it's four books. And then I did my uh, journal. journal. And then came the fermentation book, which has been a fantastic book for us. And now this is the book that just came out, which is by far the biggest book we've ever done. There's actually 200 recipes in it. And the recipes, they're actually online. You have to access them through a QR code in the book. Because the book is already you know, very big and it weighs like three kilos. And if we had to put in full recipes, these are the most detailed recipes. There's all the Chris, that's 6.6 pounds for you, buddy. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> and um, yeah, so if we put that in, it was like seven 700 pages. But it is the most detailed book we've ever done. And it, it's actually the book that I feel like I'm the most proud of. And I, I will also mention that there's two co-authors of the book, Jun Takahashi and Meta Super which is, you know, two of the Noma veterans. We've done the book together. They've been there a long time, too. Yeah. Meta has 10-year anniversary next year. June uh, is 12 next year. Goddamn. And he's only 14 years old now. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so I, okay, I, so I know your publisher. I know Artisan. I know Leah. I have a great affection for her. But 
tell me what the book is that like the publisher really wanted from you and what is the book that you said you wanted to do because there's always a difference yeah but that was honestly for this book first of all we we have an idea that we're going to make a book about nature that is coming at one point we're going to call it noma in nature and it's going to be about foraging about how we interact with the natural world how foraging has given us so many things and and that's sort of in the works but we just convinced artisan that we needed to do this book and it had to be exactly how we did it at the restaurant nothing in between even though that mo- many people i would say well almost all people can't cook from that book it had to be an exact representation why, of why our did creativity. you feel that why did you feel like it had to be exact what is because that because i'm very tired that everything when it comes to food has to be I'm not going to say dumb down, but why can't you be allowed to say this is our work? This is how we do things. Why does everything have to be done in a home kitchen? Why can't you have have it be an inspiration for how to look at ingredients? To see how do you put put things together? It's a body of work. It's a book of creativity of ideas. Why do you always have to uh, make it so that oh I can go down to Whole Foods and create 10% of it? Mm-hmm. I I don't agree with that. What's wrong with 10% of it? <laughs> <laughs> This is my 10% of Noma meal. Here. Well, you know, I I I we did the fermentation program. It's been fantastic to see how many people are attacking us daily because they're actually really using it in the kitchen. I love that. But why make a Noma book that's not a Noma book? Mm-hmm. I don't I wouldn't understand. But I mean, that. there is no other way that it could be. You know what I mean? There, yeah. I mean, just I, I can never imagine you making a book that isn't Noma, if that makes any sense. I don't want that to sound asinine, but there's no compromise in that. I don't want to compromise. Yeah. It will never why, happen. No, and why should anyone compromise? I guess if you're compromising, you you are making a decision with with that it's been okay. I mean, I could never, of the 20 years that we worked at Noma, all the hours, all the people that's been in there and done all this hard work, and then to publish a book And we can't do what we want. We can't showcase the exact work. Mm-hmm. There was no way. So no, I would rather never publish a book. I'd rather never do anything like that again if I if it can't be the way we want it. So if I'm an aspiring, you know, younger chef, younger as in not in age, but I'm just starting out in the business, mm-hmm. I buy this book, and I'm buying this book like I would buy. Ducasse's cookbooks, mm-hmm. you know, and in, in some way I view that as like a comp to this generation. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about with Ducasse's book, that means that you're younger on this subject. But like there was, he had a whole series of books and then that turned into Ferran and Albert's mm-hmm. books. I feel like the Noma cookbook, at least from the professional setting, is now the, the, the I'm taking this seriously. Mm-hmm. I want to learn and <laughs> I'm going to copy as much as I can. Right, and, and and I think you see that. What do you want from somebody that's opening this book? What do you want them to take away? That cooking is wonderful. That the creativity in cooking is incredible. There's so much to learn. The ingredients are out there. Go out and search, find the foods, put them together in new ways. Uh, be inspired. Dig deep into the recipes. I mean, the re- some of the recipes are 17 pages long. You know, and there's a lot to. Uh, unpack and uh, and learn from them. We have techniques in there that's taken us five, six years to perfect and they're in the book. Just take them and learn and, and, and do something with it. And I think that's perhaps the most important uh, subject in this book is that you have to take your time. But at what point 
for somebody that is, and uh, you know, when you're in this business, at some point you're emulating and copying until you don't. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that with these books, people are not finding their own voice? Because, you know, I feel like a lot of people, whether it's even Momo or Noma or a handful of other restaurants, you see it being copied, things being copied. Mm-hmm. And to some degree, I think you, uh, when you're reading a recipe, you may not even realize that you're being influenced to a point. I think, how do you encourage somebody to still find their voice, right? When they're mm-hmm. trying to also like copy. And I think you have to copy At some point, what's your advice to somebody that's trying to find their own voice as a cook to be like, okay, now you have to not do this. You have to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. It took you a long time to find your voice. Oh, yeah. It you did. know, and I remember that, like, it was such a powerful moment. You're like, aha, I'm going to do it this way. Mm-hmm. Because what was cooking in Copenhagen before? <laughs> cooking in Copenhagen in the two th- early 2090s, it was bad versions of French food and uh, okay versions to bad versions of Italian food. That's what existed. The Danish food or didn't, didn't really exist like that. And um, I don't know, for me... One of the most important things was to travel. And I think I would encourage anyone who has the opportunity to do that. For me, I just, you know, I worked as much as I could. I started in a kitchen when I was 15 and I worked all the time. I saved every single a dime. And you know this about me, Dave. I've never been the type to go out and to drink and party. I'm always the first to leave anything. He's a real, that's what he's best at, not being a great, great chef, right? the best to leave for a group a, of for, people. For a Danish man, he's really mastered the Irish goodbye. <laughs> but even when I was uh, 15, 16, 19, 20, I, I just went home. I saved my money. I would go and travel and do these internships around the world. And that's when the curiosity started happening for me. That's when I started learning that perhaps I can go home and there's more to it uh, at home. But what was the point? And I think this is where I would like people because I want more diversity in this food world, Mm -hmm. to not copy you to a certain degree or Noma or any other great restaurant, because you have to at some Mm -hmm. point. And it's like what Jerry Saltz always says, at some point you have to copy until you don't. When did you find that moment? You're like, you know what? No, I'm going to do it this way. And they're all going to make fun of me, which they did. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there there are many important moments. And um, well, if I, if I can, can I, can I, go a little back in time to answer this because I feel like I need to. Well, first of all, um, I'm an apprentice. I am uh, young. I'm in a a small little restaurant. It's called Piandre. The chef, he's French and he's in the kitchen and I'm working there. I start when I was was 15 and, you know, I went from being a child and suddenly working 80 hours, sweating on the stove next to him every day. One of the most important moments for me happens in that kitchen and that's a moment when uh, the chef, I'm, cook, I'm at uh, in pastry, we're only three people in the kitchen. And he says, uh, you know, it's Saturday, we're cooking uh, desserts for the staff, a staff of seven only, in a restaurant that's seated 20. And I cook uh, freshly spun vanilla ice cream. And with that, I had roasted a pineapple all day long in caramel. And I added saffron last minute to this caramel. And this pineapple was, you know, golden like a sunset. I, I was just so mesmerized myself. I'm young and this we're talking in the 90s, right? Uh, today, like braised pineapple with vanilla ice cream is brasserie food. Um, but I served it up and he came back for seconds. 
And then uh, next morning, he was fiddling around with papers. He was making a new menu. And he said, hey, uh, Rene, by the way, that dessert you did, I put it on the menu. <laughs> and uh, for me, it was just a moment I had never perhaps experienced in my entire life. Like this trust and this incredible pat on the shoulder. So that's really when it started for me, uh, to tell the truth. That was the fire that, that started this thing I've had in me ever since. That moment. I can really boil it down to that. Then, you know, I go traveling. Uh, I am a sous chef in Copenhagen. I learn lots of things, master many skills. And then I opened Noma. And at that time, we didn't really know what it, what it was going to be. We just told ourselves, let's use more local ingredients. But we had no clue how to actually put them together because you can use local ingredients. But if you're making a cassoulet, it's still a cassoulet, even though that the beans are Danish, you know. And then at one point, I'm in the kitchen. I actually have my uh, sous chef at the time. He was with, a, with us for 10 years, Torsten Vilgard. Big man. Big man. <laughs> He's like a, a, a true Viking, you know, two meters tall, a giant man. Gentle soul. Just he, imagine what a guy named Torsten yeah. Vilgard looks yeah. like. In, Literally, it looks, looks like, like a guy in a yeah. like the Viking show. Yeah. He's taken out of the Viking show. But a very gentle soul. And we are trying to do a menu. Back then, we changed the menu every month. And, uh, you know, we are looking towards Spain. And they, they were like, every month you were seeing this new gadget or this new hydrocolloid that was doing something special to the ingredients. And I remember vividly, me and him standing there. I had my knife. And I had a cutting board and I looked to myself and I said to Tolston, we're going to do the exact opposite for a while. We're going to see if we can do this with nothing, just using our hands, our knives and our cutting board. Literally, that was the, the, the decision we did. And on that menu, we made this tatar that was, you know, it was scraped with a knife and it was um, covered with sorrel leaves. Woodruff too, right? Uh, Woodruff as well. Is this the muskox? Uh, it was started with muskox, uh, Tatar muskox. And then we, you know, had this uh, paste of uh, tarragon with all these wild condiments in it. And you had to eat it with your fingers. And there was another dish of uh, sorrel uh, granita with sheep milk mousse. Uh, we had this dish with uh, lemon sole that was cooked with uh, potatoes, brown butter, and then rams and capers and nettle shoots. Rams and capers are like ramps, ramp yeah. berries. Ramp berries that we had, that we had made uh, capers from. Wait, hold on, really quick. Yeah. I just want to. I want to add this. Did you act, Cheng? Did you ever actually taste that yeah. muskox dish? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I, I mean, I like, can remember this. Like, because like I wasn't right there. Probably I went there like a year after. Mm -hmm. But like, I was there for me. At a point when before shit got crazy mm -hmm. for both mm -hmm. of us, and I remember thinking I'd not seen anything like this, and it was a moment where now years years later it was like going electric. Yeah, mm. you but know? I was going to say there's uh, like there's almost a thing like you were talking about the, the the point of these books and everything and like the 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 Noma effect. There was like a moment just then though, Chang, where like both of us already knew instantly. What was well, in yeah, that because dish. that dish is a it's a. It, it, I always think of like how an art critic might think about this because it would be in the pantheon of dishes, whether Renee thinks it's the best dish he ever had. No, that's not the mm -hmm. point. It's a dish that changed the, the the trajectory of what Noma could be because it seems like a simple idea. If mm -hmm. you look at it, you can Google it. It's a beautiful looking dish. Mm -hmm. But in 2022, 2023, that may seem almost like passe now. Mm -hmm. Because you see that a lot. But at that time, that plating and what it was, yeah. was revolutionary in fine dining because you're encouraged to eat it with your hands. Mm -hmm. It is now ingredients that 
looked familiar, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And it didn't taste like any, it tasted good, but it was like a tactile thing. Mm-hmm. And it was exciting. And I picked that up right away. And I was like, oh, this is, something is happening here. Mm-hmm. And it took the world some time to understand. But I remember that dish. Mm-hmm. It just when you were describing, it was like, I, yeah. But you were just saying, you know, I was, we were talking about, you know, what you want a young cook to get out of Noma 2.0, out of that mm-hmm. book. But I remember, I never got to taste that dish. My first time at Noma was like 2011 or something like that, 2012. Mm-hmm. And I remember standing in kitchens, though, with Noma time and place and just cooks just gathered around. Like, you've talked about many of these types of books, Chang, but like, this is the type of book, the, the type of dish that people just sat and stared at yeah, and was, imagined For me, it, it was a French like. laundry cookbook as it was for you. Mm-hmm. Just, a, you know? just imagine what it might taste like. Mm-hmm. But to me, like that dish, I knowing these stories, I was like, that's what I want. I love this business, even though I hate it simultaneously. <laughs> but I love that moment of like that addiction of mm-hmm. like that lightning bolt. Mm-hmm. And I just want more people to take that chance to mm-hmm. fail on their face, mm-hmm. flat on their face. Because even though you made that dish, how many were bad so to many. get to that point? So many. And it was a, so many years of apprenticeship for you to be like, fuck it. Mm-hmm. Let's do it this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. My fear is people don't know had to fail forward on that, you know? Well, I mean, you're talking about, we're talking about this dish was maybe 2004 or five when we did it first. Imagine 2004 and five, did Facebook even exist? If it did, it was probably just at Stanford University. I mean, everything was different. You still smoked in restaurants. Uh, <laughs> you know, there was big candelabras on all, uh, <laughs> in all restaurants. You know, it, it was just such a different time today than to today. And so how... How can you ask if you're a young cook and you're opening a restaurant and you know that within probably on the day that you open, you're going to be hoarded with food influences, probably even critics. How can you have time to fail? You don't have time to fail. Well, that's the thing I think is the secret ingredient to one of the main ingredients to the success of Noma and all the people have gone through it. Those first two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the wilderness, really, mm-hmm. before food became food, mm-hmm. before it became glamorized on blogs. The mm-hmm. blogs didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, there was no camera phones, no nothing. And it was in this weird period where I don't know if it can be recreated again. But I know that I can relate to this too. You were able to almost go out of business. Several times. Several times. Mm-hmm. Taste that failure. Oh, just taste. You're mm-hmm. not eating it putting your feet to the fire where it's like third degree burns, but you're getting out of that. And you go back in and you keep on fucking up and fucking up. Mm-hmm. That failure is dangerous advice because if you didn't have that chance, if you open up Noma now, there's no way it is today what it is. You don't have that ability to grow and to make mistakes. For sure not. Well, there's also another thing that I see between the two of you when I think about Momofuku and I think about Noma as well, though. Where, like what you just described, Renee, where you basically saw everyone was playing with hydrocolids, everyone was trying to pretend they were Spanish, and you said, we got to go the other way. Everyone's zigging, we got to zag. Like, Chang, you got that too. Well, but here's the f- fucking f- important note. He's not saying no to hydrocolids. He's no. not. He's just saying we to be something else. But you can't say no until you know how to use them. That's right. That's the part that you didn't mention. Right? It's like you knew how to do all. She worked stuff. at LB. I mean, and like, and there was a moment where we were all learning how to use hydrocolloids. So you saw a lot of the similar it attributes. Was, it was like it was, I, I feel like I should say that I love El Buri. To me, it is the restaurant 
the greatest restaurant of all time. Of all but time. you knew if you were going to be, like Chang's talking about voice, and you knew that if you were going to carve out your own area, you had to do something yes. else. Yes. Just like, I mean, Chang, you worked in only like like Western French kitchens, and then you were like, you know what? If I need to carve out something for myself, I got to do something else. You know, I will remember one thing, when the first meal I ever had at your place, and today it's so benign, but uh, raw oysters with kimchi juice. Yeah. Oy, oy, oy. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine you're coming from Denmark yeah. to New York City and you have a taste like that. It is so new. Yeah, and today, blow your it, today, hair straight back. Today is like you see it everywhere. This sort of fermented with an oyster or something, the fermented flavors. Mm-hmm. It was just so mind-blowing. I will never, ever, ever forget it. <laughs> but the thing is like, I appreciate, because I know he gets that too, but these are the little things that happened back in the day that nobody really picked up on, except mm-hmm. for if you were in the business. That's a simple thing. You're making a gelatin clarification, blah, blah, blah. But nobody had done something like that. Right. But my point was also that like you guys also recognize a moment where it's time to change again, where you're like, you could be at the peak of your power, and you both, I see it in both of you, we're like, no, it's time to change again or we die. Well, I'm more ADD than him, you know, and <laughs> much more, much more ADD. Like Renee can be so fucking focused uh, that I can't. Well, you're, yeah. So you're I, bouncing around because you can't, you can't focus. But I, I, I guess I'm, so you've talked about a couple of these big moments that Chang's asking you of, like the moments where you knew you're, you were establishing your voice or you need to change it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's that first vanilla ice cream with pineapple. Then there are sort of these defining dishes with Torsten. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Noma 2.0 was when you had a rejigger again. But there was another moment. And I don't know, Chang, if you recognize this too. But I think that between, you know, we basically would get to eat at Nomo once a year for, for the MAD Symposium. And I remember there was a point where, you know, a lot of the dishes at Nomo at one point were like pretty playful, you know, like you would, you would, you had your centerpiece of, you know, uh, what, what people would think were just flowers and garnishes. And then you would say, and your next course has been on the table in front of you. Yeah. Those branches are all actually made out of, or, you know, they're, they're baked and you yeah, can eat and them. You, and you could drink the flour water. You could drink all of this stuff. There was like the one minute egg where you would crack the egg at yeah. the table and it would cook there. Yeah. I remember we came back the year after those dishes and you had just been like, you had stripped away all all of the, you know, I'll call them gimmick. You had stripped mm. everything away down to like bare deliciousness. Mm-hmm. And like, that was a huge change too. I know mm-hmm. I felt like you guys made a huge pivot in that moment. No, just it, recognizing. It, and it was like, you can time it to the development of the lab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, to me, it was like, it became much more about taking, extracting as much as you could from things that were not necessarily delicious and making it super delicious, which mm-hmm. is quite frankly changed the you know changed how you guys have made food i think that was a that was a real moment yeah for sure but uh, i will have to say that uh, around that time that's on also when we had the norovirus incident right. and that is uh, also a diff- oh. <laughs> i mean imagine you are a restaurateur and uh, you have mussels on the menu and this these mussels are infected with norovirus you can't smell it you can't taste it you can't see it they seem like a fresh mussel 63 people turn sick. Cool business you guys got into, by the way. <laughs> Just were like yeah, But something. then imagine that every single media in the country, all the major news stations, their TV cars, the, the big trucks, all of them, they're right in, uh, in front of your restaurant. The day that the world finds out, okay, you have poisoned people. Mm-hmm. It was terrible. And I think that was also a moment when, let's call it the gimmicks, we just got so focused we, you know, we're like, okay, either we're going to close from all of this because it was really bad times. And I think that was a, a fuel as well for us to say, okay, let's focus, let's hone in. 
let's be Vikings in a way, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, go to war. But I'm not making this up, right? In the in the wake of norovirus, you guys made another pit. You were just like, fuck it. Yes. You got to go three 100%. times harder and just go after it. So it's a very different menu. Very it's almost like a fashion menu. show. Like you look at these periods. Yeah. I mean, again, like, I wouldn't I, wish this appeared like that for anyone, honestly, even though they were so fruitful for Noma. Yeah. I don't know how to like convey that message to people is is to find your own voice seems such an easy thing to do but man it is so difficult. Well another thing I've always admired I have but- to, one thing I also have to say about this is I finding your own voice I still think we're looking for it. Yeah. It's not like I feel like we're there. But honestly. there's moments though that you can sort of crystallize. Mm. And I think they're pretty clear now in retrospect how different it was because it was just like this all of these little things the zeitgeist thing that happened, you know, like, mm-hmm. and it changes the game. Yes, it does. But oh. you don't know it until you try. And you have, you have to be in total fear to do that. Mm. And you guys kept on doing I it. I must be in fear all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, Shane, you talked about it as like going electric. I can't, like, as you're talking about this, I can't help but think like music is the best analog where it's like, you are always finding your voice, but you change your sound and you have like an era of what you're doing. You're defining, you're doing a new thing. You know, Dylan goes electric, whatever it is. It's always these different eras mm. defined by what's going on around you that change how you're cooking. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. I mean... If I have to like think about it, my favorite period was that period. And not in a way because I'm trying to be like, oh, I was there before anybody else. My favorite period were those first like 2006, mm-hmm. right? It that, was electric. It was, it, but the, the reason why it was because it was the shock of the creation. That's when it happened in those years. It was so cool to see yeah. because it was still raw. Right. It's not nearly as refined. And I know you probably look back and I was like, oh, that was so simple. Yeah, but now I know what you mean. But man, like getting to see that and tasting that and that process is like night and day to the food. It's a completely different food than you're making now. Mm -hmm. But that was like a seminal moment for me because Mm -hmm. you're like, you're like, I'm there and you're seeing this process happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Very different. So so Dave, when was the best time for you at Momofuku? Hmm. I don't know. It's in different periods, right? Mm. Uh, I think that when, Sambar, that first year Sambar was like the worst, the back against the wall, the worst. I never, like, nor, I never, ever would want to live that again. I have nightmares about going out of business every day. But the most amazing reckless creativity that you've probably had, right? It was total, totally crazy. But no. do you miss that time, though, today, I, I right don't, now? I don't. No? Okay. It's pain. Yeah. You know, pain because, like, I don't know how, I don't know how to get to that moment of creativity without that. You know what I mean? And I don't know if it is possible. I hope that you don't. I hope you can. Mm. And I, I hope that somebody figures out a way to do it where you don't have to 
yeah, in that anguish. through the hardship. Like not having to experience norovirus. Yeah. Is it possible? I don't know. Yeah. Do you think it is? Well, I'm not sure. Actually, I'm thinking. Like, can you experience the 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 adrenaline and like anxiety of a gun pointed to your head without having a gun pointed to your like, head? Every time Noma pivoted, it was there was some. We don't have to get into it. Some inflection point in your life that mm-hmm. caused it. That was causing it for sure. And I remember talking to you in Australia many years back. I'm like, dude. And I saw it in your eyes, like, oh, here we go again. It's, it's going to fucking change again. And I see it. And now before and now, like, trying to be as encouraging as possible. But that's what I wonder. Is, is, is it, are we stupid because we're taking that risk? Or is there a better way to do it? And I don't know. I don't know either. Right? It's a fucking know. weird chicken and egg. Yeah. It depends what you mean by better, I think, right? Because if you're chasing, like, you, you described this earlier today, the kind of person who, like, always wants something new and and boundary pushing versus somebody who's like a craftsman and there's there's it's it's a beautiful way to go either way the the repetition and perfection of an art day in and day out versus what you guys both seem to be chasing mm. which is like finding the edge finding the limit always what are you chasing i don't know anymore <laughs> you know it's, it's like the pandemic's changed so many things um every day i'm like you know less involved with the restaurants in the day-to-day but do i think about do I want to just do something, open up something? Mm. I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I'm less sure of anything these days. Would you, would you want like a, here's the David Chang eight counter restaurant. It's open four days a week and you're less. there. I would be open like two days a week, one yeah. day a week. <laughs> but also it's like my cooking, I think is very different but than it was like before. would you like that? I would love it. Yeah. I would love it. I still miss cooking. I want a table. <laughs> you know, like I, I want a table for that restaurant. Is that, does that appeal to you, though? Would that appeal to you? This, like, just you and I, your. I personally guests? think that that is the future of this sort of creativity and the future of kind of special experiences is more and more specialized and smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah, I agree. Like in Japan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that in a second where you're going again. But to me, it's like for me. I want to make things as simple and as pure as possible, right? So if I'm going to, I think about it, it's like, I just want to make Korean soups and stews and that would be my restaurant and charge like as much money as humanly possible. Mm. But everything's made from scratch and it's just like a bowl of rice. Here's some soup and stew and some vegetables and you're done. But I'm making it all for you. And I want people to be nourished and to feel good and to feel happy without any of the bullshit. Mm. In a lot of ways, that's how people in Japan cook anyway, Mm. at least those restaurants that are Mm. small counter. For sure. Well, I was going to say when you you know you're when whenever we talk about like the sort of function of restaurants, what's what's indispensable about restaurants, or what kind of restaurants are indispensable in the future? It's always barbecue, sushi, and noma. That's <laughs> basically what we talk about. Can I ask you this? You know, these are the kinds of questions I'd ask them if we were just having dinner or drinks. I remember when I was at LBE, I remember visiting Farhan, and he was just on the computer, and he was just going through Flickr. Flickr was how it happened. I mean, it was well before Instagram or anything. And I just saw him in a distance clicking through all the people that were copying LVE. (laughs) And that's when I knew it made sense. He's like, I'm fucking done. Like, what's the point? Mm. No matter how much I create, it's getting copied almost immediately. Mm -hmm. I feel that one one of the, in my opinion, one of the reasons why. There's there's no point left. In where the last iteration pre-pandemic when you moved in the new space, which mm-hmm. seems like such a long time ago, mm-hmm. which was sort of feels like yesterday simultaneously, mm-hmm. it, 
I I feel like you saw so many people come, when when you see Cloudberry on a menu in like Texas, like fucking the world's upside down and right? sea buckthorn, sea buckthorn and. <laughs> Iowa, something's fucking wrong, right? <laughs> People just can't, which again, like I'm not trying to say no, but it feels to me similar when you made the pivot, like, you know what? We're going to do something very different. The food that you make now, even though you've now laid it, you've given all the engineering and structure and recipes. Now it's like, we'll do it. It's, it's not easy to make. And I think part of what, it was, was elevating the level. This is where it was different is elevating the level of execution and plating to a level where good luck, <laughs> good luck. Right. Cause now it's fucking skill. Mm-hmm. And not to say that it wasn't, but now it's so much more intricate, but you're working more than ever to hide the seams in the construction. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And now it's not easy. To, I see people trying to copy it. Mm. A lot, mm. and it don't look that good. <laughs> I've seen, a, I've seen, a, I've seen a fair number of uh, insects made out of dried fruit. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen a few of these. Yeah. I mean, I think that is that's got to have been knowing you like somewhat in your deep, in your mind, like seated as like this is an answer to this. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was. If I can go back to the Ferran thing, and you know, everyone was copying him. I know with Ferran, Hanab is uncertain that what would have bothered him much, much more is the day when he was going on to Flickr and there was no copies on it. <laughs> That's true. That would have been much, much, much worse for him. <laughs> and perhaps even for me too, if I can be honest about it. That's uh, that juice, you know? Yeah. And so... We're all I, addicts. I, you know, we, we're publishing books and there's Instagram and I, I was so inspired in my early years particularly from Ducasse, from Michel Bras, huge inspiration. Then came El Bulli. And at a time, in the beginning, I think Noma was just a mix of all of that, strangely enough, you know, until you were able to mold it into something that felt like, this is me. This is actually what I enjoy. This is who I am. This is how I like to see things onto a plate. Uh, and even not, on, not only that, but this is also how I would like things to be served. This is how I like the restaurant to look. This is how I'd like people to feel when they come in, you know, all of it. And I think that's also when it becomes, let's say, a unique restaurant is when all of this belongs uh, to something that is one signature in a way, if you can say it like that, you know, it's not only the food, it's also the people and the, how does it look? How are you serving the food? How do you want people to talk to the guests and all those things? I mean, it was incredible. I remember Many, many years ago, I read the, the book Down and Under in Paris and London and uh, by Orwell. And uh, there's this moment when, where he's a dishwasher in Paris. Do you remember this? Have you guys read it? He's a dishwasher in Paris. And he says, look at these waiters. They come in from the street. They are like, uh, they have uh, barely enough clothes uh, to keep them warm. And then they dress up in a suit. And for a moment, they act as if, oh, we are the same as you are, dear guests. You mm-hmm. know, and then... I, it resonated so much with me, this act. Uh, and I've worked in so many restaurants where it felt like we were acting. And I remember that moment just being, okay, at Noma, I don't want that at all. The chefs serve, let's put the chefs inside. The restaurants, they're so awkward. They don't know how to say anything. They have their dirty hands, <laughs> dirty nails, tattoos all over, piercings. And that's when also something different started to happen that actually complemented the food. And it was the beginning of a culture. 
I mean, I think you guys are, I mean, Chang, I think you're right that you're both, a, you, have, you have an addiction to the sort of, the praise, the reaction you get from when somebody eats something and their mind is blown. But to both of your credit, there's also, you both have this real love for like just witnessing creativity and action. I think you both like to see this. I find that to be one of the most beautiful things when I see when I'm with Renee and I see it happen. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it's frustrating because he's actually best in class at that, I think. You know, well, and it, the, sorry, go ahead. No, and I, I yeah, mean, please go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, continue. continue. <laughs> Why do we have to be in a podcast for you to tell me this? Just telling him compliments. <laughs> no, in a sense, it's like there are times where I see it. I think what's better than you as a uh, making food on this, which I'm, I'm trying to say this because like, I don't think people can emulate certain things because I think what you do better is you're crafting. And I've seen you do it. Craft experience right? From a guest perspective of a holistically what they want. And it's never just what's on the plate. It always ends in your head. Guy has to be tied to the feel, to the tactile texture, everything. I don't know of anybody that like immediately, like a fucking like beautiful mind, just it all connects. I've seen that several times. No, no better example than when we were in uh, Slovenia. Mm-hmm. No, not Slovenia. What the fuck were we? Austria. And you made a goddamn sushi restaurant out of that Horse stable? Oh, yeah. <laughs> With the moss sushi? Yeah. I was just like, holy fuck. It was like one of those shows where, you know, you come back in like 30 days and it's a wholly different thing. And he did it in like two days and you're with really world-class chefs. Yeah. And I saw that and I was like, oh, it's now gotten to a point for him where you've developed this muscle in your head where it can be done instantaneously. That mm. to me is where no one's going to be able to copy what you have. They think they can, but I know that they can't. <laughs> I mean, okay, so I I do think the value of experience and the value of constant learning and the way you sort of build up your library in your mind of ideas and things that you can, you know, if you learn yourself how to actually open that library at the right time, which I feel I'm, this is one of my forces. I'm good at putting things in the right places in in Mm. my mind and then taking them out when I need them in the moment. Pair that with a fantastic team in the test kitchen. The, we are six people in the test kitchen. The one who's been the, the shortest time is eight years. And the one who's been there the longest is 15. And we're all still pushing. We're all challenging each other. Then suddenly creativity can seem like at warp speed because we put all this. But it has come with so much trial and error, so much reading so much traveling, so many hours spent just chopping onions and uh, doing all that sort of extremely boring work to get this to get to this point in my career where I'm 45, I've been in the industry for 30 years. It it comes with a with so much effort, you know, and I when we talk about how can you get to this point as a young cook, I do still believe that, that this big amount of effort is necessary in the beginning. You're going to have to just go out and absorb and learn and spend time uh, doing menial things to learn it. It's almost like Karate Kid over again, you know? Do you think that it's creativity is better now with, with, with cooking or less, less uh, developed because there's so much information, right? Imagine if your book, you know I what I mean? I think it's like, less intuitive. It's less intuitive. It's less playful. It's uh, more organized, uh, which in some cases is better. But it used to be more playful, more based on intuition and craft. You know, oh, these ingredients come in. Let me put something together. And you were 
challenge to make the dish of the day or the menu of the day. <laughs> like I'm thinking about years back when your lab and our lab were trying to figure out the the misos and the split pea and all that. Trading information, like talking about it because it hadn't been done in a standardized format. Mm. That took a long time. Mm. Now, every re- not every, a lot of restaurants are making mm-hmm. it and they don't have to go through that struggle of yeah. figuring that out. Mm-hmm. Are we at a place where there's so many points of access in that information that it's a bad thing now? So how do you like untrain yourself to just like go out there and experience things? Is it possible? Because I, theoretically, cooks cook sh- and chefs should be more creative than ever, I think. Well, don't you think they are? I mean, don't you think there's more uh, interesting things happening? I mean, I come to a place like L.A. And the, the, the quality of food, the quality of cooking. I mean, uh, at the book signing today, there was a, hey, uh, I forget his name, but uh, I'm Mexican and my uh, girlfriend is Jewish and we have a Jewish Mexican deli. <laughs> you know, the, uh, there's all this creativity happening in a in a, just a different way. I don't know. I've, I've, maybe it's because you're here, but I felt like, okay, LA is, mm. is there's something bubbling here. I feel like, Chang, the difference, <laughs> I think what you see like today is like remix culture versus like writing original classics. Yeah, I'm a broken record on that for sure. So, <laughs> well, I, I did. I did want to say we should talk about Japan a little bit, but I did want to say one thing. You're talking about these young cooks, and one thing I've I I had I was fortunate enough to sit in on sessions of this at both of your restaurants, once at Noodle Bar and, and at Noma. But you talk about young cooks finding a voice, and one thing that I've always really found special. And I know other restaurants do this, but I thought it was really beautiful was like when you guys would do sort of like Saturday night projects types mm-hmm. of things. Like service is over. Mm-hmm. This is not for the public. Mm-hmm. These dishes that like chefs from at Momo's, all the restaurants at Noma, it's like all of your cooks can present something. None of this is like a test to get on the menu. None of this is like because we're trying to like bleed you for R&D. It's just like, let's all just sit here after work and see what we can do. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of stuff. Like maybe that doesn't happen often. And you guys talk about having test kitchens and labs and things like that. I know you guys probably were happier in those labs than you were actually can I, working Can I service. say it's, it's especially from my perspective watching Noma, less so from my perspective with Momo, it's doing things you're not supposed to do because they're not efficient. Mm. You know, you have to really struggle to do things that you're not supposed to do mm. on an efficiency basis. I think as an organization grows, it's like, it's harder some to kind make of space for that. It's harder to make space no, for that. As it gets more complicated, it's a desire and drive to make things more efficient. Mm. I think that, you know, you have to make things fucking hard. And with that, hard. also, you drop creativity. Yeah. Like having space for inefficiency means space for creativity. Like doing something that's pointless. That I, I actually really, really 100% agree with Dave on this. For sure. Yeah. Like the more efficient and the more organized, even though creativity is also organization, but it's, it's organization within a, a within four walls of do whatever you want, mm-hmm. you know. But no, I, I, do, I do agree with Dave with this quite a bit that uh, there's so much efficiency and we're being sort of pigeon like forced into this <laughs> modus of operation where it has to uh, we have to have covers and we have to expand and so on and so forth that you just have to have the stuff on the menus that makes everyone happy or as many people as possible happy. I mean, when we first opened Noma in those early years, we had many days a week where we have zero guests. Mm. Zero guests. <laughs> what? <laughs> not that I want to go back to that, but 
when I look back at it to, as today, wow, that was special. Did you have, okay, in those zero guest days, you show up to work and you knew you had zero buddy, zero people, zero buddy. Nobody in the, in the, in the book, no mm-hmm. reservations. Mm-hmm. Would you just stand there waiting for a walk-in? No, I would work on I things. dined at that restaurant and there was like three people there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like a solo. Yeah, I remember at that. The craziest, at the craziest, Renee, tell us the truth. How long is like the 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 wait list to get a seat at Noma? It's like craziest. now it's never it's 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 more never been more crazy than now. And what is it like? Thousands and thousands of people. Waiting. We can have thousands of requests for a table for a Friday or Saturday. And how many? People, it is. I have no idea, but let's say and back in the day was back in the day. Dave was one of three diners. Who could yes, oh, really? I remember the table where I sat at solo, looking over the water where there's. Yeah, I've had days, many days, where you come to work and there's zero in the book, and the phone doesn't ring one time, and you think to yourself, "Really? Silence is deafening." In this, there's a million people in Copenhagen, and not one of them. <laughs> Not one of them one accidentally to, not, came here. Not one of them want to have dinner and no man, not even call to check. <laughs> and it's not that it's Monday night. You know, it's we, we're talking about a, a Thursday night. Yeah. And then on, on the Friday, you might have 12 guests. We, we, let's get into Noma, Japan now because we, we got to get to dinner reservation. <laughs> um, but a few months back, Chris and I were talking and weirdly, not weirdly, upon reflection, I think one of the most important moments that have happened that changed the whole game of food was when you guys were at Noma Tokyo pop-up. Mm-hmm. What year was that? 2016? Ooh. 2015? Uh, 15. We, were t- we had uh, Ivan Orkin on, and he didn't realize because he was live broadcasting yeah. that on Instagram. He was the first guest on the first day on the first lunch. And everyone I know was watching that live. Yeah, I know. Which is like, must have been frustrating your end, but like, was crazy. That's a crazy crazy. thing to think about. The change, that had never happened before. Hmm. I know. I was one of those people looking, I was like, clam tart. Yeah. (laughs) And ever since then. Sejimi clam tart. Sejimi clam tart. (laughs) That was like such a monumental moment in food because even though you weren't going to It was 14 actually. 14. You were, that would have taken like four or five years without technology, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Of a Apicus magazine or some niche magazine that documented this dinner that you got it five years later, like or two World Cups later. Something about a yeah. black garlic leaf finally trickling and down the to me. the fact that it happened immediately, mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit. And I took some time and I said it as a joke, but it actually wound up being probably one of the more, you know, important moments in, in dining. Mm. I, rem- I remember that moment so well. We all did. And it was kind of, I mean, I like Ivan. Don't, I'm not saying this, but it was kind of disappointing. You know, because he, let, he just put all the magic out there. It's like, ah. Oh, but it didn't stop. It doesn't I just, stop people. It, it didn't stop, no. Because you wanted everyone to, to arrive there and have the surprise mm-hmm. of not having seen anything. There's and no more surprise. There's no more surprise. No. That's the thing. Um, do you think you're going to do what like Dave Chappelle does and comedians and just put away their phones in a in a purse that they can't have until they that would leave. be impossible <laughs> because half those people i mean the, the truth is right renee like half the people are paying the price because they want the pictures yeah i mean i think people ask me this all the time and i, I say of course we could we'd still have guests we'd still be full but it is a thing that people just really want and enjoy and is you almost it's almost disrespectful i think uh, to people even though that and funny enough, I was speaking to the team about this the other day because I remember the first moment that somebody had a smartphone out at Noma and filled me. 
and uh, it was I still remember the feeling of of I felt you know I felt like excuse me you're filming me you can't do that you have to ask for permission and um, you know a few weeks passed on and then suddenly you, it happened again and again and again and now it's just all the time and so you can't what are you going to do? Are you ready for this new pop-up? Can you let everyone know? if It's too late. If you're hearing this for the first time, you don't have tickets to Kyoto. Get, it's sold out, No, right? it's sold out. It's the fastest we've ever sold out of anything. And we we were so nervous about this one because Japan had just opened. We had been planning this for two years. And uh, yeah, it sold out very quick. Do you have a couple of uh, extra large seats if a couple of big Asian boys want to make their <laughs> way over to Kyoto? Though? A couple, just a I couple. Mean, I'm excited for you guys. Japan is... I don't know if Dave has a... Can he sit for like three hours for a fine no. dining? Dave, no. Okay. Do you think that you no. think it's going to take Dave three hours to eat the meal? No, I can't. I'll I can't. put David on the spot. First time David came to Noma, he sat with his eyes closed and like looked up in the sky and chewed and <laughs> smiled to, to himself. He was so... He loved sitting out. And then fast forward like five years... And he eats the entire menu in 37 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> With Cho. The famous dinner. With Cho. I've never seen anyone inhale. You know the Eblis or the dump? <laughs> he inhaled it. He like threw it up and it hit his tongue and he's like... <gasps> and <it> was, <laughs> I mean, not to, be, not to be racist, but it was legitimately the Kung Fu Panda eating the dumpling. <laughs> Just up in the air, into the mouth. Bloop. Even Bloop. David Cho was shocked. Cho was like... This isn't yeah. Nobu. Yeah. Oh, I thought he was going to Nobu. That's true. He actually said, I'm, I'm eating with Garfield. <laughs> that was a fun what night. A, what a, give, us, give us what people... So you've, you've been in Japan. I, I talk, when I talked to you a couple weeks ago, you were doing the 88 Temples Walk. You've been doing some research. Yeah. Give us like a little... Break us off a little taste of... Well, you know, we're going in Sakura season. It's spring season. Uh, to me, that's the best moment to be in Kyoto. It's a fantastic moment because that's when all of Japan just turns bright green. All the sh wild shoots on the forest floor, all the wild plants and ingredients are coming out. Seafood is spectacular. Kyoto is the, the home of kaiseki cuisine, the finest expression of Japanese food, arguably where the Western tasting menu originates from. I mean, it's incredible for us to go there and learn from all of this and to be able to mix this and make a fusion of it with 20 years of Noma experience with all this culture and all these ingredients and all this knowledge that exists in Kyoto and put that together to a menu for our guests to enjoy. I'm, I, I think we're going to, I think we're going to do something special. Mm -hmm. I, I have, I am a very, very worried about saying these things because I'm afraid of jinxing things. So you, most of the time I don't say anything and I, and I hardly ever enjoy when things go well because uh, I don't know why, but I've never been able to do that. But I have a feeling it's going to be special this time. Mm -hmm. I really do. I think this is also the future in a lot of ways, making something that is permanently ephemeral. Mm -hmm. right? That's yeah, a good, you, good phrase. I like that. Permanently ephemeral. <laughs> doesn't make any fucking sense, but it does. <laughs> but I do agree with you on that as well. Something pop that up. it comes, there's all this effort. There's all this. I mean, we've been planning this for two years. We already have a team on the ground. We've been harvesting wild kiwis this summer in Kyoto, near and around Kyoto. We've done ferments and we're going to be there three months before the entire test kitchen to make this menu. Wild kiwi? Wild kiwis. We're going to we're going to fly in 103 people from our so team. So this is the part. Okay, so, so and this then is it the all part goes that's away. special. This is the part that I actually think you're addicted to is is like there's something magical about like getting to uproot your entire family basically, your mm -hmm. your restaurant family and go on like a retreat with them for 3 months. 
Like Me- Mexico was very special. It was so special. Nothing can never compare to that. I and think. this is the secret. It's not. It's not about just like oh, we get to take a vacation, but getting to go with everyone you work with somewhere. It's not a it's vacation. In Australia, it's not a Mexico. vacation. <laughs> it's not Wait, a vacation. You've done Tokyo, Australia, Mexico, and, and now, now Kyoto. Kyoto. Yeah. And then you have plans for another one. Yeah, we do. And can't that, say. I can't say. I'll tell you afterwards, but then you can't tell anyone because it will be the most crazy thing. The one coming after that. But I will tell you this much. You will never guess it, Dave. Never. Because it's so special. And I'll just leave it with Detroit Rock City. (laughs) That would be sick. (laughs) Pre-pandemic, we had three pop-ups lined up. Um, Funny enough, one was going to be in LA. The pandemic killed that. Um, then we had Istanbul and Tbilisi, Georgia. LA, this is why you can't have nice things. <laughs> you just blew it. But <laughs> Istanbul would be sick too. Yeah, but I, I don't it's know. hardly the moment to be there. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get there, but uh, to Kyoto as much as I'd like to. But I mean, how are you nervous? Yeah. But course. here's the thing: like I'm I nervous, know that I'm I know nervous. it's going to be fucking sick. That's the thing. No, Yet but, you're still nervous. Yeah, of course. There's two. There's to me. There's two type of nervous. There's nervous, I don't know what I'm doing. There's nervous because I really want this to be special for everyone. Our guests, for myself, for my kids, for my team. I really hope it's going to go well. Let's go and do the best that we can. I'm nervous about that. I'm not, I know that as a team, as a unit, we're going to make something special. But, you know, I'm nervous for how it's all going to go, what's going to go wrong, and so on and so forth. It's, I'm excited nervous. Hmm. It's a big, 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 big difference to... I don't know what I'm doing nervous. Well, there's nervous and there's worried and you're nervous. Yeah, there's worried nervous and excited nervous. Yeah. And if you haven't been to Kyoto during Sakura season, it is... I will have to say, I'm also worried all the time, by the way, about all sorts of things. (laughs) That's something me and Dave share. I know. It's actually terrible. I know. (laughs) Our poor wives. Your poor wives, your poor Chris's. (laughs) Um, I don't have a Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Well... If you haven't, if you do have a ticket to get to Kyoto, uh, that's going to be amazing for if anyone. You have that's a ticket, fuck you! <laughs> I wanted one. I think if you figure it out to get to Kyoto, I think they'll I'd figure probably, it out. I'd you might have to wash some dishes. I might but... sit in the back. It's true. <laughs> we, we, we might be able to figure something. Out. <laughs> um. Well, listen. Noma 2.0 is out now. Mm-hmm. You can get it at your local independent bookstore or your online retailer for books. Mm-hmm. You don't have to name that. Giant company. <laughs> but it's out now. Buy it. Consume it. Nomaprojects.com. Keep mm-hmm. clicking until the Garam shows up. Yeah, oh, Garam and all the other things coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, th- my son does not like everything. And he tasted it and he was putting on everything. And that's yeah. not the Garam. It's a new, new thing. thing. Oh, I can't God. talk about it. Yeah. But it's legitimately, I was like, fuck, that's so smart. It was so smart. God damn. And everything else, which I can't say, which is what I'd like, but I'm hyping it up for real because it's like, it's fucking really, really, really delicious stuff. So, sorry, Chris. I don't have any for you. <sighs> Story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Renee. Thank you so much. All right. Give us five stars. However you rate this. Go check out nomaprojects.com and go buy Noma 2.0 out right now. <laughs>